Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinions Sports, episode 334. Hope we're doing very, very well. Got a fun episode today. Uh, we're going to talk about, I guess in America we call it the big game. I would call it the big disappointment, actually. Uh, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. We'll talk about Kansas City. We'll talk about Tom Brady. Uh, we're going to do an Ask Zach Super Bowl edition. And uh, we'll talk about the halftime show, I guess, too, because the halftime show, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about you. That was not my favorite halftime show I've ever seen uh, for the Super Bowl. Uh, fun episode, fully dedicated to the Super Bowl. And uh, if any news breaks today. So for me, it's it's Tuesday night. This will come out Wednesday morning. I have two things I need to tell you before we get into the show and talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, the first thing is this. I know that if I was a person who uh, listened to a regular sports show, I'd be like, hey, where? You know, it's it's Wednesday now, Wednesday morning. Why, why did it take so long to talk about the Super Bowl? Uh, now, I, I, I don't want to I'm not going to apologize. I, I don't think that's the right way to do things. And I don't I don't really feel guilty about it. Um, but I do want to be clear why this episode's coming out on Wednesday rather than I was aiming for Monday originally. Um, it's a little bit later than I wanted to be. Now, I actually think in the end it worked out better because I've now watched the Super Bowl two different times. I watched it live on Sunday. I went back and I watched the film yesterday. Uh, or I guess today, what's today? It, my, my sleep schedule's all messed up, but I watched the film and it really kind of reassured everything I thought I saw on Sunday. So I'm glad I did that. I watched the all 22 film. The, the farther different camera angle where you can see all the players and the whole defense. Uh, but I want to get two things we need to go through. The first one is this, that uh, the Super Bowl is on Sunday, February 7th. Now, if you followed me for any amount of time, you know that February 8th is a very important day in my life. So Monday after the Super Bowl was February 8th, 2021, uh, the five-year anniversary of my brother's death. And uh, my brother took his own life. And I I hate grieving. I hate crying. I Every single year, February 8th rolls around. I go, I'll be fine. It's going to be great. I'm going to steamroll right through it. I'm going to, and especially my gay, it's a Monday after the Super Bowl. It's a work day for me. I'm going to get right through it. I'll power through. I'll have a work day. I'll do my thing. I'm not going to skip a beat. And of course, uh, February 8th rolls around. It hits me like a brick wall. Um, and I, I just, I had a hard time. And so I, I, first of all, I want to say that, you know, if you're struggling, please go get help. My brother took his own life and I, I really don't want anybody else to ever do that ever again. Go get help. Go see a professional counselor. Uh, it, you know, if your friends are struggling, tell them to go get help. And, uh, I know that for me, my life's pretty great. <laughs> I, I got a really good job. I got an amazing girl. Uh, I've got two cats. I, uh, I have a great job. I, I have a place to live. Like, I really love everything about my life. And I watched Tom Brady, my favorite NFL player, win the Super Bowl on Sunday. And, it, you know, the, the highlights of my life are the moments that make me miss my brother the most. You know, I uh, whether it's uh, certain life events or, uh, hey, like, my show is awesome. Like, whatever it is, I, want, I wish I could tell my brother. And I, I just miss, uh, I miss playing video games with my brother. I miss playing catch with my brother. My brother loved Tom Brady. Uh, I wish I could have shared that moment this weekend with him. And I, I, it just it broke me down. And so I want to be clear. I really appreciate the patience. And I, I want to encourage everybody, if you're struggling, please go get help. Do not suffer in silence. I miss my brother every single day. He's actually the reason why I do a podcast. My dream was actually to do a podcast 
with my brother. And so I, I miss him constantly. And I just want to say thank you for the all the love and support I got recently. Now, I said there were two things. The second thing is this. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. They help you run your business more effectively by putting everything all in one place. Now, I want to start with a very honest statement, which is to say that this product is not for everybody. It's not for small businesses. It's not for a startup. This product is for companies that bring in $1 million in annual revenue or more. You know, for example, my company, Strong Opinion Sports, we are way, way too small, like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the size uh, in annual revenue to take advantage of what NetSuite does. Uh, but I know that some CEOs watch and listen to this podcast. In fact, I know that people that own sports franchises have listened to this podcast. So, hey, this product is for you, NetSuite by Oracle helps you run your business more effectively by putting everything all on one dashboard. Once your company matures, you will outgrow QuickBooks. QuickBooks has limitations, and you don't need to pay for multiple systems that give you information, maybe not exactly when you need it, because you can walk away from the old, outdated programs and spreadsheets, skip all the nonsense, upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, where they will give you all the data on your company instantaneously. You can have everything all in one place. Imagine. One place that hosts your finances, e-commerce, inventory, supply chain, HR, everything. And again, you can have all the data instantaneously in your hands. Now, NetSuite wants me to tell you that you can join one of 24,000 other companies that use their service. But if you are a person who knows what NetSuite is, if you're the kind of person in the market for NetSuite, you know that NetSuite is the best in the business at helping you run your company. And if you don't believe me, they will help you and prove it. Go to netsuite.com slash opinion, and you can get a free product tour. NetSuite will show you how they will benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com slash opinion. Schedule your free product tour at netsuite.com slash opinion. Thank you, guys. Got to pay the bills. Um, let me drink some water real quick. I want to talk about the Super Bowl now. The disappointing game. The, the most, you know, the, the big game. The big disappointment, unfortunately. On Sunday, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. The Buccaneers won 31-9. to Kansas City did not score a touchdown the entire night. Now, it's Tuesday night for me. This will come out on Wednesday morning. I have now watched the Super Bowl two times since the game happened. Uh, I guess you know, I've watched it first on live TV on Sunday. Then I watched it again. I watched the All-22 Coaches film uh, with a you know, different camera angle, you can see the whole defense. And really what that did was, when I watched the film, it confirmed everything I thought I saw on Monday. And what I saw was this was a very, very disappointing Super Bowl. Now, I love Tom Brady. Tom Brady is my favorite player of all time. I was very happy he won his seventh Super Bowl. Like, oh, it's great. Like, Tom Brady, yes. Um, but I was really let down. But, you know, this was not a competitive game. This was not a fun enjoyable, tense, interesting. And this, if this, you know, this game was a movie, it would not be a thriller. It's like, oh, the good guys win by like 50. It's like a, like an Avengers movie where it's easy and they just walk away. I guess not, that's not a good example. Cause that end, Avengers had that end game movie where half of them died. But um, I knew that going in Kansas city was going to be short on the offensive line. But my assumption was, Hey, Patrick Mahomes can run around, extend a play. He'll be able to overcome that. Uh, now, first of all, I want to say this because it's very important you hear this. There were unacceptable levels of pressure 
in Patrick Mahomes' face the entire game. Tampa kept getting pressure with just a four-man rush, meaning that they could drop a lot of people into coverage and still get consistent pressure on Patrick Mahomes, make him escape the pocket, run around. Um, Mahomes had to run to avoid sacks uh, because of how easily Tampa Bay got pressure. And again, because of that, they had more people in coverage. So what they did, their plan, was they double-teamed Tyreek Hill, and they also double-teamed Travis Kelsey. If you watch the film, Tampa Bay's defense hit Travis Kelsey at the line of scrimmage over and over again. They kind of jammed him at the line of scrimmage nearly every play. And any time that Travis Kelsey got a free release, basically it was when he caught the ball. Now, he did have 10 catches for 133 yards. It's not like Travis Kelsey had a bad day at the office. Uh, but overall, Tampa played great coverage. I was really impressed with the way they locked things down vertically. Uh, they limited Tyreek Hill. They limited Travis Kelsey. They, they did not allow them to get open. And uh, going into the game, I said that I expected, my, my one thing I expected from this game, I, get, I said a lot of things, but one of my predictions was, I believe we were going to see a play where we went, oh man, some kind of crazy highlight from Patrick Mahomes where he'd make a few crazy plays we'd talk about for weeks and you'd see it on replay on SportsCenter and Instagram and Twitter and everywhere, like, like a diving throw between the legs, upside down, backwards. And the reality is that Patrick Mahomes made those plays on Sunday. Uh, but they were dropped. You know, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, they had a couple drops on plays where Mahomes would extend a play, escape a sack, make a ridiculous, crazy throw downfield. But his guys did not finish the play. It's like, it's like I, I don't know. It was really uncharacteristic of Kansas City where, yes, the pressure was in Patrick Mahomes' face all day, but yes, he still ran around and avoided sacks and was throwing off his back foot a bunch. But the ball hit his receiver's hands multiple times, and they didn't take advantage. It didn't make plays. And so the pressure, look, it, it reminded me of a high school football game. Like, you're just, it was just a physical mismatch. Uh, but Casey did miss a couple opportunities to make big plays downfield where I, I went, like, I mean, there's memes everywhere. You're like, yeah, they got to catch the ball. I don't know what's going on there. Now, I loved Tampa Bay's game plan on defense. Their plan was... Well, first of all, they knew they were going to get pressure on Mahomes because of the injuries on the offensive line. Like, we're going against backup offensive linemen. Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, they're going to get home early and often. And so they double-teamed Tyreek Hill. If you went vertical, there's another guy blanketing to help out. Uh, they jammed Travis Kelsey in the line of scrimmage. They had another guy helping. They always double-teamed Travis Kelsey. And they said, hey, if Kansas City is going to beat us, it's going to be with a secondary player like uh, Michael Hardman or Sammy Watkins. We're not going to let their primary weapons be the reason why we lose this game. I actually like that approach. It reminds me a lot of what Bill Belichick used to do. Uh, I guess still does in New England where he's going to take away your best thing. So I really credit to Tampa Bay. Great game plan. Now they got helped by injuries, but regardless, uh, I thought that's exactly what they needed to do to win that game on defense. And uh, they did great. Now, MVP is always kind of a weird thing for me. I don't really like MVP. You know, most valuable player. I don't know what that means. Uh, now, I, I just, it really kind of depends on how you define valuable. And in this game, you watched the Super Bowl. There wasn't really one player that stood out very much. I mean, I, I would have given it to the entire Tampa Bay defense or maybe the entire defensive line, but you can't do that. It's an individual trophy. And so Tom Brady won the NFL MVP, I, I guess, of the Super Bowl MVP. I thought if anybody was going to win that Super Bowl MVP, it had to be Tom Brady. Maybe not necessarily. Like, he had a great game. He had three touchdowns. He was about 21 for 29 passing, 
200 and maybe like 201 yards. Like not an amazing day, but a very impressive, good performance. But the reason why Brady won the MVP is because he's the reason why they're there. He, he does this. If anybody's going to get that individual trophy to represent Tampa Bay, it would be Tom Brady because he's the reason why they're at that game, winning that game. So I agreed with him winning the MVP, even though it wasn't, it was like kind of, it was messy. There wasn't a clear exact favorite, but I, I did agree with giving it to Tom Brady. And I did love that at the end of the game on the podium, Brady just gave credit to everybody around him. He said, I believed in my guys. I love it. You can see that in the final huddle with Tom Brady talking to his teammates. You know, they're about to do the kneel down. And he's like, I, I love you. I believe it. he's just yelling and screaming at his guys, pointing at him, saying I love him. And I saying he loved him. I, you could tell he's like, I believed in my guys. Because remember, Tom Brady chose to go to Tampa Bay. Everybody's going to say, well, he had a great team. But it's part of what makes Tom Brady who he is. He chose to go there. He believed Tampa was the place he could go and win a Super Bowl. And he was right. I think it's pretty cool. It shows a lot of faith in his teammates. He believed in them. They liked that he believed in them. They all came together. I really, really enjoyed the story of Tom Brady and Tampa Bay together. Uh, now, I guess, I don't, take a shot's the wrong way to put this, but I guess I want to point out something about Aaron Rodgers, you know, my favorite quarterback in the entire NFL. I, I respect Aaron, um, but everybody was very, very excited when on Saturday night, Aaron Rodgers won his third NFL League MVP award, a very you know, an individual award. Well, Tom Brady just won his fifth Super Bowl MVP. So, to me, three league MVPs or five Super Bowl MVPs, you ask me, who's the better leader? I think it's pretty obvious that's Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady also won his seventh Super Bowl trophy. That's crazy to me. He's got more Super Bowls by himself than any other franchise does. The Steelers have six. The Patriots have six. Tom Brady has seven. That's ridiculous. That's it's, We're never going to see that again in our lifetime, I believe. Um, now I remember doing a film analysis on Tom Brady last year saying, um, Tom can still play. Like everyone's saying you can't throw a deep ball. They're just flat wrong. I showed the film film doesn't lie. I was right. Nana, nana, boo, boo. Going to celebrate a little bit. Um, but I, all in all, man, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was pretty cool that two people caught touchdowns for Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. Rob Gronkowski had two and Antonio Brown caught a touchdown. Now, what's interesting is these are the two people that Tom Brady recruited to come to Tampa. I said, hey, hey, Rob, you want to come out of retirement to play with me? He found a way to get Antonio Brown. Like, Antonio Brown's career was over, and Tom Brady said, hey, I want you to play. He, he recruited him. He convinced Tampa it was a good idea. And uh, Antonio Brown is a nut job. I, I, I really don't think Antonio Brown would work on any other team with any other quarterback. Like, put him in Pittsburgh. Put him in Green Bay would be a nightmare. Aaron would glare at him. He'd throw a fit about his helmet or something. Like, people need to understand the leadership quality Tom Brady has. Not only recruiting people, but making Antonio Brown work. Antonio Brown quit on Oakland because of his helmet. Like, he literally refused. He's a basket case. And yet, Tom Brady will woo the guy. He keeps the crazy man happy. It says a lot about uh, Tom Brady as a leader, that he can make people like Antonio Brown still succeed in the NFL when their career pretty much should be over. In fact, there was a line, uh, you know, Tony Romo, I believe, broadcasting the game said, uh, you know, we all thought Antonio Brown's career was over. Now, my dad and they look at each other like, it is over. Like, Antonio Brown is not going to succeed anywhere else on any other team other than in this specific situation with Tom Brady as his quarterback. 
uh, says a lot about Tom Brady, the leader. And also the fact that Tom Brady doesn't care about anything other than he wants to win. He wants to play with good football players and win games. And I morality aside, I mean, it's it's it shows dedication to wanting to win Super Bowls. Now, it's pretty crazy. Uh, obviously, we are never, ever going to see another athlete like Tom Brady again in our lifetime. I just don't think we're going to see another person dominate a sport like football, winning seven championships over a 20-year span, uh, especially in a contact sport. Like, what? Like, I guess maybe in bowling you could see something like that, but football, where you get the the tar knocked out of you, I just, we're not going to see that ever again. And what I'm seeing as I look around the media and I look around Instagram and Twitter and social media, um, I see less hate now for Tom Brady than we saw like even two years ago. People kind of have a lot more respect for Tom Brady. He left New England. Uh, I think people who hated him, like Jets fans and Dolphins fans and Bills fans can go, well, like, you know, he doesn't terrorize us every year now. And it seems like even people who don't like Tom Brady still at least respect him. They found a way to go, you know what? I respect what you're doing. And uh, kind of really what I find very fascinating about this run to a Super Bowl for Tom Brady, seventh one, is that on this run, Tampa Bay beat three former Super Bowl MVP winning quarterbacks. They beat Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and then Patrick Mahomes, all in that order. Three future Hall of Fame quarterbacks. That's got to be some kind of crazy record like Rodgers, Breeze, Mahomes, bang, 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 back to back to back, beating all three. That's a crazy, epic Super Bowl run. By the way, Tom Brady didn't even win his division this year. The Buccaneers did not win their division. I firmly believe that Tampa Bay is going to be better next year. This this year was Tom Brady and Tampa Bay kind of throwing things together, making things work on the fly. Next year, Tampa is going to have more cohesion, a full offseason to prepare and get together Fewer growing pains. Remember, again, Tampa was a wild card team. They didn't win their division. So they are just scratching the surface of what they're capable of. I'm very excited for the future of Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be better next year. And uh, they are going to challenge and try to get another one next year. That's uh, in, in some ways, they're going to be better. I think their best football is still ahead. I also think it's a different kind of challenge when um, – you know, your first one, you're so hungry to get there. Once you already have it, then you got to convince guys, hey, let's go get another one. Like, how many times do you climb a mountain and go, yeah, let's do that again immediately? That, that's what they got to convince people to do in Tampa Bay. Uh, I think some people think it's going to be easy because they, they already have everything in place and they got their system. But winning a second one is even harder. So I'm really fascinated to see what Tampa Bay can do next year. Um, I would really enjoy it, actually, straight up a rematch between Kansas City and Tampa Bay because I want to see, man, I so badly want to see a real matchup where Kansas City's not injured and depleted on the offensive line. Uh, it felt like a huge, in fact, didn't feel like it was truly a really big limiting factor for Kansas City. Kind of a shame. I thought we got robbed of what could have been an amazing game that was pretty anticlimactic because it just, I mean, Patrick Mahomes would catch a snap and have five people in his face immediately the entire game. And that, that's no way to play football, and uh, I was pretty disappointed at that. All right, um, I want to do kind of a messy topic here. We're going to talk about uh, hating Tom Brady, then kind of transition to Tom Brady as a cheater. So let me start by saying I really don't understand how anybody can hate Tom Brady. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Again, if you are like a, 
a Buffalo Bills fan, a Jets fan, a Miami Dolphins fan, and Tom Brady beat your team for years and terrorized you in New England. Like, I get that. I, I totally understand a bitter Bills fan, for sure. But when you look at the story of Tom Brady and who he is and what he's done, like, how can you not respect what he's done as a player, the accomplishments he's had, and where he came from? Remember, in college at Michigan, he really struggled to be the starting quarterback. He got uh, was at times benched and wasn't the guy, and he dealt with some inter-team politics with the head coach. And then when he entered the NFL, Tom Brady was a sixth-round draft pick, the 199th pick in the NFL draft. So nobody wanted Tom Brady. And uh, however, through hard work and dedication to his craft, he worked really hard, got better year and year out, and eventually... Tom Brady became the best ever to do it. And not because he's incredibly talented, not because he's the fastest or the strongest, but because he's the smartest and he works the hardest. And that is incredible to me. I I really find that very, very inspiring. And I don't know how you can look at the story of who Tom Brady is and not respect that. I I just fundamentally, people that don't respect Tom Brady, I don't don't get along with him. I I just don't, and not in like a, I don't hate them for that reason, but I just know that when I sit down with those people, that I go, ah, I hate Tom Brady. He's a bum. I'm like, I, I don't really have good conversation with those people because they don't seem to think very deep. I just don't, I don't understand that mindset. I never, anytime I meet people like that, for one reason or another, they, them and I just don't, we don't gel. And for way more reasons than their, their opinion on Tom Brady. But I have always found Tom Brady incredibly inspiring. Uh, I grew up in a mobile home. I lived in a mobile home as a kid. And Tom Brady was always an example of how dedication and hard work can lead you to a better life. And I just, as a kid, I looked at Tom Brady. He was the shining example of what I needed to see in my life. And I went, that, it just was incredibly inspiring. Like, I can go get a better life if I work hard enough, if I'm dedicated enough. And I needed Tom Brady as a role model in my life as a kid. And he was exactly that. It's, I, I'm forever nostalgic. I, I cannot tell the story of Tom Brady without sharing my own personal bias. But I always looked at Tom Brady and went, Wow. That's the guy who worked incredibly hard, and I just, I, I respect it. I admire that. Now, I don't think people realize or understand how improbable Tom Brady's rise to success and, you know, let alone staying in the league, but also then becoming the greatest quarterback of all time was. Uh, so, again, Tom Brady was the 199th draft pick uh, in the sixth round of the NFL draft. So a sixth-round pick, 199th overall. And for direct comparison, I went to Washington State for a little while. I worked on the sidelines. I watched Gardner Minshew play live. I watched Luke Falk play live. And uh, has anybody heard of Luke Falk? Luke Falk is a former Washington State quarterback. Uh, I would imagine, uh, first of all, can you imagine Luke Falk becoming the greatest quarterback of all time? Because some of you haven't even heard that name. You're like, Luke who? Like, some people know that. Football nerds know that. Most people are like, I don't know who Luke Falk is. He was also the 199th overall pick in the 2018 NFL Draft in the sixth round. Sixth round pick, 2018, three years ago, um, 199th overall pick. In fact, at one point, Luke Falk started a game in the NFL, started for the New York Jets against Tom Brady and New England. So he was drafted in 2018, it's now 2021, and Luke Falk is not in the NFL anymore. Luke Falk is out of the league. So 
My, my example, I'm not trying to point out or embarrass Luke Falk. I'm trying to point out how improbable it was that Tom Brady would make it. Guys that are drafted 199th overall don't even make it three years in the NFL, let alone become a starting quarterback, win a Super Bowl, become the greatest quarterback of all time, win seven Super Bowls. Guys don't do that from that position. Peyton Manning was drafted number one overall. People knew who Peyton Manning was. He was a hero. He was a Heisman candidate. He was the son of an NFL Hall of Fame quarterback. Like, we all knew Peyton Manning was going to be great. Nobody saw Tom Brady coming. I find that way more inspiring. That a guy can come from nothing and through hard work and dedication become what he became. I I really, I love that. I think it's amazing. And I I just don't understand why people don't look at that and go, wow. I, I, I just don't understand it. Tom Brady has earned everything he has. Seven Super Bowls, five Super Bowl MVPs. Now, some people call Tom Brady a cheater. Now, we're going to shift the conversation. It'll be kind of fun. Uh, I encourage everybody who thinks Tom Brady is a cheater, go watch the documentary Four Games in Fall. It's called Four Games in Fall. Kind of a reference to the four games Tom Brady got benched, uh, got got, what is suspended for Deflategate. The documentary is all about Deflategate. And uh, kind of the documentary is really about how basically the NFL ran a hit on Tom Brady. Like people call Tom Brady the cheater. There's a line in that movie, the documentary that goes, I think the NFL cheated. And I, I totally agree with that. Scientists will tell you, in fact, in fact I, will, I will tell you this. I encourage you, look up the ideal gas law. The gist of the ideal gas law says that because of, you know, there's gas, there's air in a football. When a football gets colder... It loses PSI. It loses pressure per square inch. So if you measure the PSI at 71 degrees, then you move a football to 49 degrees and you measure the PSI again, it's going to be lower. Guess what? That's exactly what happened in the deflate gate game. Nobody talks about it. Science actually tells the story that Tom Brady is totally innocent. He did not cheat, in fact, in the, the, the whole deflate gate scandal. But the NFL hated Tom Brady. Remember, uh, during the NFL lockout, Tom Brady led a lawsuit against the NFL saying, hey, because the NFL was trying to scam players out of money. The NFL had taken, had borrowed $4 billion to prepare for a lockout. Then they said, we're not going to have a season unless you players take an 18% pay cut. And Tom Brady was one of the people that led the charge saying, no, we're not okay with that. And also at the time, first of all, the NFL released a lot of misinformation. Now, whether that was intentional or not, you can be the judge. I I certainly believe that they were trying to mislead people and uh, control public opinion. But the NFL at the time is dealing with Ray Rice. They were dealing with concussions. They were dealing with domestic violence problems. And the Flategate was a perfect distraction to change the narrative and lead everybody's attention over there to Tom Brady. Like, oh, this horrible guy. Plus, people hated Tom Brady. Some people were like so sick of Tom Brady winning Super Bowls and being the perfect guy with the supermodel wife and the hair and this and that. They want any reason to believe Tom Brady was a cheater was welcome. It's called confirmation bias. I'm like, oh yes, uh, we we've been waiting. We knew it. We've been waiting for this day. Again, I, I look up the ideal gas law that if a ball gets colder, it loses psi. That's all you need to know to, for me to say, yeah, the NFL completely framed Tom Brady. But they never, they never cared about PSI of a football until suddenly they did. The, the, it was convenient to frame Tom Brady as a cheater, so they, they picked the thing. 
They attacked him for it. They used a text message from a Patriots employee from over a year and a half previously. Like, it's complete nonsense, really. The evidence and the way that, you know, the the shady stuff the NFL did to manipulate public opinion and frame Tom Brady as a cheater. Now, they probably hate Tom Brady. They're tired of him dominating. They're tired of uh, his, you know, I- I'm sure him uh, threatening them and suing them and then, of course, they were really – they needed another – they needed to throw him under the bus to change the public opinion and change the narrative. But look up science for hire. I, get, I, I recommend look up the term science for hire and the way that they manipulate the scientific method to use science to prove what they want to prove rather than – you know they kind of reverse engineer the scientific method to prove a point rather than to actually find real discoveries. Um, I, I didn't explain that very well. Look up science for hire. Uh, it's pretty disappointing what you learn the NFL did uh, to doctor stuff and make Tom Brady look worse. Um, in the end, it's kind of, I guess, the ultimate compliment that, first of all, I don't know why anybody believes anything Roger Goodell says, right? Like, they, Roger Goodell says this and people go, oh, yeah, we, we didn't believe you any time until now, but now suddenly we believe everything you say, absolutely. And also, it's kind of a compliment that Tom Brady's so good that people would rather believe that he's cheating than actually just an amazing quarterback. Now, one other final thing um, is that, again, even with a slightly underinflated football, like let's imagine Tom Brady did underinflated football. You still got to make good decisions. You still got to read a defense. Like I've never even, even if the ball's underinflated, it still doesn't really change the fact that he made great decisions and was playing the quarterback uh, job at a high level. Like I've never understood even if it's real, how it's that much of a competitive advantage. It's like a slightly underinflated football, which I personally have a harder time throwing a flatter football. It doesn't spin off your hand very well. But again, I encourage you, go watch the movie. I guess the documentary, which documentary can still be very narrative, you know, designed to push a narrative. I want to share my bias. He's my favorite player of all time, for sure. Go watch the documentary, Four Games in Fall. If you really think Tom Brady's a cheater, it's on Amazon Prime. I think that'll enlighten you a little bit, and you'll go, oh, yeah, the, the cheater we were sold is just PR nonsense. It's not really it's the NFL kind of being really shady. So, um, you know, they, and then the way that the NFL, not only they framed Tom Brady, then they really aggressively punished him for basically what at, at most was a minor, uh, a minor equipment violation. And then they blew it completely out of proportion. Really, I thought that Deflategate should have been nothing. Uh, because again, science proves it's nonsense, but, um, decide for yourself. I I wanted to share that information. I I guess two parts of this, right? I don't understand why people hate Tom Brady. The story is compelling. Oh yeah. By the way, you were told he's a cheater. It's just nonsense to me. So I, I don't know. You you hate him or you love him. People, I'm probably not changing anybody's mind. People have a, a, a mind made up and they don't want to hear that, but I thought I'd share what I learned. I watched a documentary a couple days ago and I've had it on my heart a lot, and I, I love Tom Brady's story. He's I don't think he's a cheater. I don't know how you look at the science and the ideal gas law and go, yeah, when you lower the temperature of a football, it loses PSI. And then all the other inconsistent, weird stuff the NFL did. Uh, go watch four games in fall if you still believe Tom Brady's a cheater. I think it might enlighten you. You may not want your mind changed, and that's fine too. It might be easy just to hate him. You enjoy that for sure. Uh, I walk away. I have a ton of respect for Tom Brady. He's my favorite player of all time. He also, I think, is a very inspiring person and a story and a guy who I think everybody can learn from, who worked incredibly hard, who mastered what they're doing and rose to the very, very top of their field and is the greatest to ever live playing the quarterback position. So 
Uh, I find Tom Brady very, very inspiring. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break when I return. Uh, we'll do Ask Zach Super Bowl edition. We will have fun with that, and we'll talk about the halftime show. That that uh, that embarrassing show of a music and dancing, and I I just I not the best one we've ever seen. My name is Zach Schaumler. Going to take a short break. I will be right. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. I uh, want to tell you guys what's coming up next after this episode. The very next episode is going to have some whatever NFL news is coming out. Like, does Drew Brees retire this or that? Uh, and then we'll also include, uh, I'm going to start doing the predictions versus reality segments where we'd go through every division, every single team, talk about what my prediction was, how their season went, what was different than what I expected, what went the way I expected. Uh, I'll put, you know, uh, posts on Patreon where I'll say, you know, predictions versus reality for the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, uh, Washington. If you're a fan of that team or if you're not, write in what you thought about their season, kind of a comment, question, concern, whatever. Maybe rewatch my prediction video. Say, like, you're wrong about this. What? Why did that happen? We'll have fun with it. I'm going to do a deep dive into every single team, how their season went. Uh, we also have the SOS Awards coming up very, very soon about um, – it's the SOS NFL Awards for 2020. We'll give out the NFL Player of the Year, the most important player, offensive, defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, uh, coach of the year. Like a lot of stuff, a lot of awards should be very, very fun. And uh, I want to give a recommendation as well. I, uh, you know, this NFL season's been a very, well, I can't even talk. This NFL season's been a very, very trying one. A lot of life change happening, quarantine, like it's a mess, right? And I bought a game at the beginning of uh, August, uh, Borderlands 2. It's backwards compatible on my Xbox. And I have gotten so much gameplay out of that game. Like, I, I've just, that's about the only game I've, I played that in like Monster Hunter World. That's the, the only thing I played the entire NFL season. And uh, it's, it was like five bucks for Borderlands 2. I cannot recommend it enough. It's so much fun. You shoot stuff, it, the story's nonsense, but I just, I like shooting stuff, exploring the world, and having fun. The gameplay's great. And uh, if you're a person who's got like five bucks and you want a, like a lot of time to kill, Borderlands 2 is phenomenal. Cannot recommend it enough. Now, we have to talk about the Super Bowl halftime show. It was a monstrosity. It was the, uh, oh man, look, I already knew that the weekend was really bad singing live. Uh, I've seen YouTube videos, but he was worse than I could have imagined actually during the Super Bowl. Uh, he, in fact, he had like a choir sing the hard parts of his song. Totally a cop out. Like, I can't sing this. I can't hit the high note. I can't, you know, I usually use auto tune. So I'll just, you know, defer to a choir of people to sing the hard parts of my song. It was, it was really bad. Uh, now, I don't believe that the NFL really cared that their Super Bowl performance was bad. They just wanted something that was safe for PR. So they were probably really happy with it. Uh, this is not the year to take risks. We saw that from commercials and halftime show like nobody wanted something risky they just wanted safe and frankly boring and that's exactly what it was uh the song choice was awful i i really was watching baffled like why did he not start with blinding lights like just hit it really hard give me some bass some really good instrumentals and we didn't get that i knew in fact the whole performance from the weekend it was like mind-numbingly boring. I'm like, when is this going to get interesting? Are they, is everyone going to sing a, like he sang songs I'd never heard of. And I, I like The weekend. I like some of his songs and I just, nothing. My girlfriend's like, what, what are, what is he playing? I don't understand this. And uh, also the faceless dancers on the crowd, they felt kind of like a, 
a bad dream. Like, I feel like I'm being very negative, but it was a horrible performance. I just, I, sorry, man. Like, last year was great. This was bad. And it probably didn't help that you're in an empty stadium with people. Like, I can't imagine performing like that in that situation where you're not really getting any crowd feedback and it feels empty and weird. And I, it would be very, I just, the whole thing was weird. I don't think the NFL cared. Um, but I will say that also, by the way, the dancers were out of sync a lot of the time. Like, you ever watch the, uh, the the introduction for the Olympics a couple of years ago, they had all this like synchronized dancing. I mean, they put us to shame. They were so much better. I kind of walked away actually embarrassed for America because I, I would imagine people in Australia, Germany, the UK, like all over the world watched the Super Bowl halftime show and went, wow, that that's what they think is good? It made us look bad. I really, like, frankly, like, I'm like, oh, no. Australia thinks we're idiots now. Like, dang it. And they already thought that, but now it's even worse. So um, <laughs> they're all going to judge us on that crap. And the weekend was just not good. I, I don't hate the guy. I love some of his music, but that was not a good performance. And uh, one of the I, – I I'm trying to think of a worse Super Bowl performance. I can't – I'm sure they're out there. I haven't been alive for that many of them, actually, when you look at the, the scheme of things. But, um, I man, I that's the worst one I've seen in a long, long time. And the one I – of all the, it's just boring, just a very boring, bland, vanilla performance, and uh, just uh, man, I my favorite thing I saw again was I. This is no J Lo and Shakira, you know, it it didn't compare to last year, and uh, yeah, not great, not 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 the Super Bowl performance I was hoping for. Kind of went along with a disappointing game in general. Uh, now Super Bowl commercials were also bland. Uh, I, I guess nobody wanted to be funny, and I get it. It's not a funny time. People didn't want to make jokes. Uh, nobody wants to take a risk and be interesting or put something out there. Um, yeah, I was really hoping to do a whole segment about the Super Bowl commercials, and they're really all just kind of muted and boring. Uh, I, I still also don't know what Paramount Plus is. They kept trying to do it. It's like I, it was a te- the commercials for Paramount Plus are really, really terrible. Like, why not just show me the UI and tell me what properties you own? I know you own CBS, but like I just ugh, Paramount Plus was so badly done. I, I want to be a marketing manager. Like, I, let, let me please watch these commercials before you spend millions of dollars to run them with clearly no idea. Like, Klarna, that's a terrible name for a service. At least, I mean, I don't know. Klarna was bad. Uh, you know, the Oatly CEO playing a song, Oatly, which is actually like, I heard it's, it's get good milk. I, I don't drink cow milk. I drink only uh, cashew milk because I'm, I'm weird and it hurts my throat. Um, but the, the, the Oatly CEO playing that horrible song in the field. That's a terrible look. And you know it was his idea. I just, it made me not trust the CEO of Oatly's judgment at all. And I'm like, somebody should have told this guy no, because that's not a good commercial. Um, the Wayne's World stuff was weird. Sesame Street was weird. I don't even like the the food delivery services. They screw over restaurants completely. Uh, Michael B. Jordan was the best commercial of the day, in my opinion. Uh, Michael B. Jordan as the, the kind of the Amazon Alexa. That, that was phenomenal. I loved that. But otherwise, man... Um, commercials were bad. Halftime was bad. There was so much PR nonsense everywhere. Like people just were like, we're here for the game. Let's get in. Let's get out. Let's not make any noise. And, uh, it was just not the most entertaining Super Bowl I've ever seen. Like, I guess we're happy we got a Super Bowl at all. I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but there were a lot of stuff I I really felt was lacking in that entire Super Bowl performance, game, halftime show, everything, commercials, the entire production I thought was lacking just a little bit. But again, during a pandemic, like we should just be glad we got a Super Bowl, I guess. So I don't want to complain too much. Um, Let me drink some water real quick. It's now time for Ask Zach, my favorite part of the show. 
It's where I read questions from the audience. Uh, in case you don't know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. But if you give a dollar a month, it gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. If you submit a question, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single question with my eyeballs and I pick the top couple to read on the show. First question of the day is from TJ. TJ says, hey, Zach, quick question. Would love to hear your opinion on Antoine Winfield Jr. giving the peace sign. Personally, I know I liked it because I know Tyreek Hill did it to him in the last game. Uh, two laughing, crying emojis. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't mind it. Uh, I thought it was kind of annoying. The refs kept throwing flags for taunting either. Like, don't don't penalize Tampa Bay. Don't penalize Kansas City. Like, I just, taunting is stupid in professional sports. Like, professional sports are there to entertain us. And I, as long as you don't cross whatever unwritten line there is, I just, I don't know what you can possibly say or do that's that offensive that, it can't be used and you know, given as, I guess, excused as entertainment during sports. So I just, I didn't really like the whole, um, the flag on Tyron Matthew, the flag on, now the flag on Antoine Winfield Jr. felt like kind of some retribution or uh, like an apology for flagging Tyron Matthew earlier when Tom Brady tracked him down. None of it was good. Um, I thought a lot of the flags were well-deserved. I thought the taunting ones were pretty tacky and stupid, um, but yeah, it's, it's what it is. David writes and says, hey, Zach. How do you think the game would have played out if the Chiefs were had a completely healthy offensive line? Would have been much closer. I mean, Patrick Mahomes would catch a snap, have five guys in his face instantly, four or five, and uh, it, it just really was not conducive to having a successful football. It, it, you can't run an offense with four guys in your face the minute you catch a snap. It's just not good. He had free rushers all the time that had men that were supposed to be blocking them, and they just whiffed completely on blocks. Uh, Mike Remmers is terrible. I ripped him apart in my uh, Kirk Cousins film analysis video, I think last offseason. So, um, yeah, it just really felt like we didn't get the real Kansas City team, frankly, and it just was not good. I mean, Tampa Bay's got really good edge rushers, and, uh, you know, with Eric Fisher out and another injury, just they were they were not at full strength on the offensive line for Kansas City. I w- you know, Kalichi Osamele went out very early in the year. He was great. Uh, he really helped them. I just, I think Kansas City is going to be better next year. And I, I actually would love to see a rematch between Kansas City and Tampa where we get both teams that are healthy and it's a real legitimate matchup rather than one team handicapped on crutches. Uh, I think I just want to see a real matchup, frankly. Ben Wrightson says, in terms of coaching, should credit be given to Bruce Arians or his offensive and defensive coordinator? Todd Bowles called a masterclass game plan and reminded that defense wins championships. So uh, the best thing Bruce Arians does as the Buccaneers head coach is get out of the way. He oversees everything. He delegates to smart people. Uh, you know, I, I think he lets Tom Brady do a lot of coaching, which is probably the best way to do things now if you're working with Tom Brady. Like, Tom Brady knows his stuff. Let the guy speak up. Let the guy coach people up. Let the guy, frankly, like, I've always thought this. If you're the quarterback and the coach is saying one thing, but the quarterback prefers another thing, Go with what the quarterback likes because the quarterback's the guy throwing the ball. The quarterback's job is to get their timing down right with the wide receiver, right? If if you, the quarterback prefers one thing or the receiver, like what matters is what's going on between the player and to player rather than the coach to player. Now, there might be a reason why the coach wants to correct something, but if there's this thing that is just more comfortable for both players and it helps them complete a pass, 
defer to that. And coaches often have too much of a heavy hand trying to control everything. Bruce Arians has got a really good feel of how to release and let some things go and let people delegate and delegate to people underneath them. Uh, don't forget about David Garrard. David Garrard is a former uh, quarterback in the NFL. He's going to be a future head coach. He's the offensive coordinator for Tampa Bay. He's awesome. He's working with great people right now. Uh, he's working with Tom Brady. David Garrard has a lot of responsibility, and it's going to make him a good head coach someday. Keep your eye on that guy. Everyone's talking about Todd Bowles, Eric Bieniemy. Nobody's talking about David Garrard. And if you know Bill O'Brien can work with Tom Brady and become a head coach, David Garrard certainly can become a head coach after working with Tom Brady, and I would feel very confident in David Garrard's ability to lead a football team based on the lessons he's learning with Tom Brady and with the large amount of responsibility he has in Tampa Bay. Uh, Braden writes in, who do you think will get more head coaching buzz next offseason, Todd Bowles or Eric Bannemi? Considering how Bowles' defense shut down Bannemi and Andy Reid on the biggest stage, it makes me wonder if he'll get more attention next year when some teams inevitably start looking for their next head coach. Thank you, and I hope you have a wonderful evening because I certainly did getting to watch a division rival lose. Go Broncos. Um, so I think part of what made Todd Bulls look really great was that, you know, Kansas City was really injured on the offensive line. That, that cannot be understated. I mean, Todd Bulls, yes, had a great game plan. I thought it was very restrained. It didn't blitz a lot. Realized, hey, we're getting pressure with just a four-man rush. That's totally good enough. Uh, that's great. But again, he got a lot of help from the injured personnel on Kansas City. Uh, Eric Bieniemy is going to be a great head coach. Listen to Eric Bieniemy talk at some point. Eric Bieniemy looks and sounds like a head coach, and uh, it's really a shame he's not a head coach yet in the NFL. Uh, Nick and Josh write in. Just there are two people, but I'm gonna read both comments back to back. Nick says, "Hey Zach, what was your favorite Super Bowl commercial?" And Josh replied saying, "Did you do your standard thing where you skip commercials or not?" So I do not skip commercials in the Super Bowl. I love, I love Super Bowl commercials. Usually they're great. Uh, they were very muted and not very good this year. I was very sad. Uh, I usually watch football games about an hour or two late. I just record them and I fast forward through like boring punts or kickoffs that are just touchbacks or um, or like, uh, what do you call it? Um, I guess you can't know. Like if there's, I only watch a kickoff if it's clear it was an interesting kickoff or a punt that was like a touchdown. For the most part, I don't watch punt returns, I don't watch kickoffs, and I don't watch commercials. But during the Super Bowl, I watch everything. I love Super Bowl commercials. Unfortunately, this year, they were very... Nobody wanted to be that guy that took a risk and made a joke. Everyone's serious, and it's COVID, and we're like, ah, it's very boring. And I thought the Amazon Alexa commercial with uh, Michael B. Jordan, that was by far. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. Another good commercial was the uh, T-Mobile commercial with Bad Connection. Explaining how um, Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton got together, which it's funny, man. It, if you know their relationship, you know they're together. Like Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton are together. Like how and why does that work? And it does, and it's pretty fun. Uh, I recommend you go look it up. It's pretty interesting. Connor writes in, says, I was so disappointed. I never really cared who won, just wanted a close game. Yeah, me too, man. I was disappointed as well. It was just not a... Uh, wasn't a competitive, interesting game, and I really, I was very sad that we didn't get I, the Super Bowl I was hoping for, frankly. I mean, I really thought we could have had better, and we just didn't get it. 
Uh, the Musical Brew, when Alex write in, the Musical Brew says, so if TB12 is taken out of the picture, who is the Super Bowl MVP or coaching MVP? And Alex says, hey, Zach, in your opinion, who deserved to win the Super Bowl MVP? So MVP is tough. I talked about it during my reaction to the Super Bowl. How do you define valuable? Like, how do you define a most valuable player? It's, it's always been weird to me. I'd rather do player of the game or it's just clear. Like, you're trying to lift up one player after the game. Like, here's a person we want to celebrate after this team's victory. Um, nobody really stood out other than Tom Brady. Like, I agreed with Tom Brady getting the MVP. He had three touchdowns. He was 21 for 29 passing, played very well. Uh, he's the reason why they're there. It's an individual award. You can't really give a trophy like that to the entire defense or the entire defensive lines or a coach either. So uh, I thought Tom Brady was the best answer to win the MVP. Also helps his legacy, I guess, too. Um, but uh, yeah, I agreed with him getting MVP. It's just, it's a hard award to give out. Cause like, if there's not a standout star, like Julian Edelman won that award cause he won the game. And Julian Edelman had a crazy catch a couple of years ago for New England in that Super Bowl beating Atlanta, where he had that crazy catch on like, you know, keeping the ball off the blade of grass. Like, yeah, he deserves it. But for the most part, if there's not a crazy defining play, it goes to the quarterback by default because they're kind of the catalyst often in the NFL in general that helps every team win. Um, Alone writes and says, hey, Zach, I'm fairly new to the NFL, and I was just wondering whether the lackluster Casey offense was due to a weak offensive line, mistakes from receivers or mistakes from Mahomes himself. I personally thought, uh, the effort Mahomes put in was admirable. We'd love to know your thoughts. Thanks for reading this with your eyeballs. Um, I thought Mahomes played well. I thought Kansas City dropped a lot of passes that should have been caught downfield. And uh, the reason why Kansas City lost was because of their offensive line. They just could not remain competitive on offense because they had pressure so frequently in Patrick Mahomes' face instantaneously as the ball was snapped. Josh writes in says, Hey, Zach, hope you enjoyed the big game. Sort of broad question here, but what did the Bucks offense or what did the Bucks defense do that Kansas City consist? Well, I got to restart this. Hey, Zach, hope you enjoyed the game. Sort of broad question here, but what did the Bucks defense do to the Chiefs that consistently brought pressure to Mahomes? Think the Chiefs could have schemed something different or was it just too good a game plan for Todd Bowles? Um, no, again, the Chiefs offensive line was way too injured. The Buccaneers realized, hey, we can just bring a four-man rush, get pressure immediately every single time. We're winning one-on-one matchups repeatedly. They double-teamed Tyreek Hill. They double-teamed Travis Kelsey. Game over. Like, you just, they couldn't do anything vertically in the passing game because they were double-teaming their best players. They couldn't get the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' fans fast enough. And uh, I, the only thing I thought they could have done, I will, I'll, wait, I'll save that for a minute, actually. Landon writes in and says, Zach, I got a simple and straightforward question. What did the Chiefs do wrong? So in my opinion, the one thing they could have done is maybe use Tampa's game plan against them by, you know, they were double teaming Tyreek Hill. They were double teaming Travis Kelsey. Maybe say, okay, what that does is give McCole Hardman a great one-on-one matchup where if you're going to commit enough bodies to double team two players on our offense, then we will just attack you a ton with McCole Hardman. We're going to run Tyreek Hill straight down the middle of the field take two bodies, maybe even three, and run McCall Hardman shallow across the middle, just snap, find McCall Hardman, snap, find McCall Hardman over and over and over again. They didn't exploit that. I was kind of waiting for that to happen. It never did happen. You could even argue that Kansas City didn't adjust well enough. But again, they did their best. Like, if your quarterback is catching a snap and instantly has five people, three people, four people, or even one person 
in his face, you can't do anything. So I think at one point, Kansas City realized, like, we just got to get the ball out of his hands immediately. And they started rolling the pocket and doing whatever they could to get that ball out of Mahomes' hands quickly. And their their drive still solved. Like, they had the ball in the red zone, and they, they got stopped on, like, fourth and nine because they just couldn't consistently get the ball out of Mahomes' hands quick enough because of the pressure that was instantaneously in Patrick Mahomes' face. Dominic Wrightson says, Hey, Zach, do you think that we are destined to be disappointed by the Super Bowl every year? Yes, there are really exciting ones, such as the Tyree catch, Malcolm Butler pick, and Foles versus Brady, but every year we seem to hype it up to be the best game of all time. They never end up living up to that. I was just wondering what your thoughts are on this. Love your content. Keep doing what you're doing from Dominic. Uh, So, look, first of all, not every Super Bowl is a letdown. I thought that this one kind of was. I thought that last year kind of was. I thought that I enjoyed the Rams-Patriots, but I get why people didn't. It was a defensive battle. It was tense. It was like a long thriller movie. Uh, Seattle against Denver a couple years ago. Peyton Manning against the Seahawks. That was a blowout. It was ugly and awful. Uh, blowouts are not fun ever in a big game. Um, I mean, you have two weeks of hype to build up the Super Bowl. That's never helpful. Plus a whole season, I guess, as well. We like For 17 weeks, we hype up the Super Bowl. Then we get to the playoffs, and we have two weeks off before the Super Bowl. It really is a, it's a whole year of hype leading up to this game. It's destined to not live up to whatever hype is given to it because it's just too long of a hype cycle building up to a Super Bowl. Now, the reality is that some games are epic and some are not. I mean, I remember a Monday Night Football game a couple years ago where uh, Kansas City played L.A. My buddy Samson had two touchdowns, actually, on defense. It's crazy. Like, Samson Ibakam, a defensive end, had two touchdowns. He did. It was awesome. It was fun. Um, there are games occasionally that are just epic. Sometimes that game also happens to be a Super Bowl. I thought that Patriots-Falcons was an epic, crazy, fun Super Bowl uh, a lot of the Tom Brady Super Bowls actually, in fact, have been close, fun, entertaining, crazy games. This one was not. Um, and I don't think the lesson is that Super Bowls are disappointing. I think there are. It's always, again, unfair because of the crazy hype cycle that goes into leading up to a football, leading up to a Super Bowl. But just remember, some games are epic and some are not. It depends on the game. It depends on the matchup. It depends on the outcome. Um, and, and also, like, you could even have... On paper, it should be a great matchup, and one team has a bad game, and it still is a blowout. So uh, it's just a luck of the draw. Like, some games are amazing, and some are not, and that's just how football works. But again, also recognize that you have 17 weeks plus a whole playoff series, plus then again, two more weeks of hype. The hype cycle and the hype train leading up to a Super Bowl is completely ridiculous, and if you you have a crazy high expectation, it's never actually going to live up to the expectation you give it. Mateo writes and says, hey, Zach, just wondering if with this win, you think Tom Brady is the greatest athlete ever in any sport? I personally do, considering how difficult it is to win in all of win it, win it all in football. And because he now has more Super Bowl wins than every team in the NFL. Um, yeah, so Tom Brady has seven Super Bowls. The Patriots have six. The Steelers have six. He's got more Super Bowls by himself than any other franchise individually does in the NFL. That's unbelievable. Uh, Mahomes has one. Tom Brady has seven. I don't know how Mahomes is ever going to catch Tom Brady. Uh, for sure, like, greatest athlete ever, debatable. He's not the greatest, like, physically greatest athlete ever, but he's definitely the best uh, guy at taking advantage and mastering their craft. He's for sure the greatest leader we've ever seen. Look at Antonio Brown, for example. Antonio Brown would not work with any other team with any other quarterback. He makes A.B. work. It kind of reminds me of 
Uh, you know, LeBron made Kyrie Irving work for a while in Cleveland, and he got sick of it and booted Kyrie Irving out, and they uh, they got rid of him. So, um, I think the reason why Tom Brady is the greatest athlete or greatest leader we've seen in a long time, he gave Tampa Bay hope. Tampa Bay, they they brought in Tom Brady, and they believed from that day on we can win a Super Bowl. He brought hope to that franchise. He believed in his teammates. Uh, they they really appreciated that belief. I think he got the best out of the people around him. And uh, he works incredibly hard. He's very detail-oriented. So uh, he's definitely the most persistent, hardworking, detail-oriented, great leader in sports we've ever seen. I think he's... Uh, I love Kobe. I love Michael Jordan. Uh, I love a lot of... There's a lot of players that are amazing all-time talents that are not half the leader that Tom Brady is. He's just... Uh, he brings people together. He brings the best in everybody around him. I, I think Tom Brady is a guy who... Um, and I also, I think he's an introvert. I get the sense that Tom Brady, he's had to work at how to be a good leader and learn how to nurture relationships and learn how to, like, I, I would imagine managing Antonio Brown is a lot of work, but he's good at it. He does the work it takes to make it happen. And I, uh, you have to respect Tom Brady's found a way to analyze everything he does and master every aspect of the quarterback position, including leadership. And I just, uh, I walk away very, very impressed with that. Bobby writes in and says, What's up, Zach? This game is just another example of why I love the NFL. I heard so many predictions about a Chiefs blowout or a tight game where either team could win heading into the weekend. I was not expecting a complete domination from Tampa. It just shows how crazy and unpredictable this league is, and even if it wasn't the game that many wanted, I personally loved it. That's him saying, not me. Uh, It just showed that the NFL produces a great product. Yes, it did. Uh, This was the one outcome... I simply did not expect. I could not have envisioned Tampa crushing Kansas City. I just did not think that was going to happen. It was very surprising to me. And uh, while I didn't enjoy it because I wanted to, ta- I just, I like really close, intense, thrilling football games. We didn't get that. I was happy to see my favorite player of all time win another Super Bowl and prove a lot of people wrong. People just, people doubted Tom Brady. I don't know why people did. Uh, they, everyone said he was washed up and old and it's pretty clear that was wrong. Evan writes in says, Hi, Zach. A few episodes ago, you talked about how hard it is to win a Super Bowl, especially numerous times. However, I was wondering if you, if you feel like it was harder. I got to restart this. I'm sorry. I got to drink some water. My mouth is, it's going. I really, I got two left. I'm going to finish it. Evan says, Hi, Zach. A few episodes ago, you talked about how hard it is to win a Super Bowl, especially numerous times. However, I was wondering if you feel like it was harder to win a Super Bowl or an NBA championship. So Super Bowl or NBA title. While there are more games in the NBA playoffs, there is no wiggle room in the NFL playoffs for an off night. To make this question even more interesting, I was wondering if you think LeBron would have won more NBA championship titles than Tom Brady has won in the Super Bowl era than Super Bowls if the NBA played one game series instead of seven. What he's trying to say is, is it easier to win a, a... NBA title or a Super Bowl? And would LeBron have won more championships if uh, the NBA was based on one game to win a series rather than seven? So in the NBA, it's a best of seven series. Once you win four games against a certain team, you win that series, you move on to the next series, or you win the championship. Um, In the NFL, of course, you have one game. You play the Super Bowl one time. You don't play four games and the best of four win the Super Bowl. No, it's not that way. So um, it's just different. It's not really harder. Um, 
I would say that a four-game series is harder to steal. Uh, you know, a massive underdog that is outmatched can win a game. You can steal a game. And we see this all the time in the NBA playoffs. We're like, oh, I can't believe that team won a game. You're like, wow, it's crazy. But in the end, the better team usually wins because it's, it's too big a sample size to hide your flaws and deficiencies. But if you are like LeBron, I think a lot of the time in the past could have, if it was a, if the NBA finals was determined by one game, he was outmatched a lot when he was in Cleveland, but he, he regularly won a game. Like he could have stolen a game from Dallas or San Antonio or whatever team you want to name. Um, so I, I actually think if it was based on one game, LeBron probably would have won more championships, not fewer because he could hide the deficiencies of everybody around him for one game, dominate, make it happen, win a game. But you can't, you can't dominate and hide the flaws of everybody around you and carry a team for a whole seven-game series. You can for a game. So I think it's very possible LeBron would have won more championships or titles if the NBA was played the same way the NFL is. Um, but in the NFL, again, it's you're not going to steal a seven-game series the same way you can steal a game where someone has an off night and then their season is over. It just it doesn't happen in the NBA because there's too many games consecutively where um, it's just you, you can have a fluky thing happen one time. I guess that's the best way to put it. You can have a fluke happen once. You can't have a fluke happen four times in a row in a seven-game series. A Bear writes in says this. He says, people are going to say the Chiefs lost because of the refs. This is silly because Kansas City got a bunch of penalties because they played dirty in the secondary. Yes, there were those two maybe uncatchable ones, but if the Chiefs' offense hadn't been shut down by the Bucks, it wouldn't have mattered. I hate when people blame the refs, especially when it is without reason, but they will do, especially if it means discrediting Tom Brady. Thoughts? So yeah, first of all, people hate Tom Brady. Uh, anytime they can discredit the guy and say, it's his team or the refs or this or that, people hate giving credit to people that are amazing. Um... Here's my problem with the penalties in this game. You said something pretty harsh. You said the Chiefs played dirty in the secondary. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's their style. They're very physical. They like to do some cheap shots. Um, but I, I think the problem with Kansas City in this game is that their penalties were called, were valid. So every penalty I saw against Kansas City, I went, that, that's, you know, that's offsides. That's a neutral zone. You, you lined up offsides or you tackled the guy while the ball was in the air. You can't do that. So... Um, I, I thought it was kind of a lack of discipline by Kansas City. Uh, nothing was unfair, in my opinion, from what I saw. Now, I know a Kansas City fan would hate to hear that because they want any reason to believe they got screwed over. I think it's easier for people to take a loss by saying, by pointing a finger, saying it's this person's fault or we got screwed over, rather than saying we simply lost a game, we weren't the best team. Uh, it takes a real man to admit you lost rather than to point a finger and blame somebody else. Uh, I think Casey got kind of frustrated, and uh, they played very chippy in the end. And look, I again the penalties that were called, like on, there was a, a field goal that got kicked by Tampa Bay. Uh, Casey lined up offsides. That's not a controversial penalty. That's a penalty. Sorry. Uh, also, sorry. You can't tackle somebody when the ball's in the air. It doesn't matter. Like, just I don't know. I really thought that the penalties that were called were clear and obvious and uh, deserving of being penalties. And you can be mad, like. So many penalties get called in Kansas City, but if you don't like that, commit fewer penalties. And uh, I just, I, there are, I, I don't know. I, I really, I don't understand the incentive the refs would have had to decide with, like, they don't want, in fact, they. it's better for the NFL if Tom Brady doesn't win. I, just, I don't know. Maybe that's not true either. I have no idea at this point, but um, I just, I, I'm tired of the conspiracies. I'm tired of this and that. It's like, well, no, 
Kansas City committed penalties. Did you watch the film? I did. I watched the game twice now. They tackled Mike Evans when the ball is in the air. Like, sorry, you can't do that. I don't know. I just, ah, I'm, I'm tired of people complaining. It's all people do, complain about crap all the time. Guys, that's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. I, uh, it's now, it's almost, it's, it's Wednesday now. So I got to get the show out. I, I got to edit and record and try to get some sleep before it comes out. I love you. I appreciate you. But um, bam, we are done.